It's about what we feel about our identity as a church. So I'm going to talk a little bit, start a little bit about talking about our identity. And again, I don't even know if this is in sermonic form. It's probably terrible homiletics. But here's the good thing about getting older. You don't care. You know, like you, you go out dressed really weird and people tell you dress really weird at my age and you don't care. Because what matters is that you're comfortable. So you just don't care anymore. And, or you forget things. You don't care about that either. Because after a while you forgot that you've forgotten. So it doesn't really matter. When I think about identity and who we are, and so I guess I'm going to do my, this is my turn, instead of taking up time over there talking about our identity, I think our identity as a communion has to flow out of our identity in Christ. And so when I think about identity, and when I talk to our people about identity, or I talk to other people about identity, I think of things like, what is the gospel? When I read the Apostle Paul, particularly in Galatians and Romans and I think of the gospel as this, our inclusion into the life that Jesus lives and the favor that Jesus lives under. So our inclusion into the life that Jesus lives and the favor that he lives under. There's a place in Ephesians that says this. One of the things I love about the Lord so much is that before there's ever a problem, grace is already there waiting on us. There's always provision before there's a problem. And it says in Revelation 13:8 that Jesus was a little lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That the solution had already been provided before there was ever the fall. And it says about us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So I think about God's dream for us. God's dream for us is that we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be in union with Christ, to participate in his life, all that he is and all that he has. Our inclusion in the life that Jesus lives blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So I don't really worry about whether I have an anointing to heal because I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and Jesus has that anointing. Or the anointing to have words, or the anointing to do this. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We spend a lot of time crying out for things that we started out with but aren't aware of. We've been made complete or full in Christ according to Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. So I'm not moving towards fullness. I was born into it. That's my identity. As all of you know, the word eternal actually is a word that just means age. Chronologically, that's just one of the consequences. It lasts forever. But it is in translated eternal, and I don't know why. Because it's, it's a word that represents aeon, an age that has certain characteristics about it. In Hebrews 6, 6, or 6, 4, it talks about tasting of the powers of the age to come. And we know from 1 John chapter 1, 1 and 2, and then again in chapter 5, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. And eternal life is a person, just like everything else in the Christian life. And so when I think again about identity, I think about it's the age to come kind of life lived in the here and now, 
by him through us. It's the age to come kind of life. Lived in the here and now by him through us. And so our identity is being in Christ, being in union with him. Therefore, our inclusion into the life that he lives for the death that he died. He died to sin once and for all, but the life that he's living, he's living to God. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but living to God in Christ Jesus. So my inclusion in the life that he lives and the favor he lives under. My identity is that I'm in Christ. My calling is to manifest that life, Christ-likeness. In every situation, be a sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place among those who are saved and among those who are lost. And my assignment is to bring heaven to earth one person at a time, to impact them with Christ and his kingdom. Now, corporately, for us, that identity, that biblical identity about each one of us is also true about us corporately. Our identity is that we're in Christ. Now, that identity collectively, corporately, as a communion, as the patriarch has been really hammering down in a good way recently, is that we were always originally called to be a church who's going after the river. Um, I've been here a long time. It's interesting. I was thinking about that yesterday. Doug was consecrated before me and um, Elmer. I was consecrated in 1997. I remember from the beginning how we talked about how that our desire, the point of the CC being formed is because Bishop Adder, those in San Clemente, those who came early on, and I remember them saying, if there's just four churches who have this vision, we'll be happy. Was that we would include all these three streams that carried the historic anointing as a collective people, as the body of Christ. Bring them together so that we could flow in the river, the highest level of anointing that we possibly could flow in. That was always the vision. That was always the dream. And it wasn't like because of that, we went out to the housetops and screamed it out to try to attract people because we believed that and had a passion for that. And we were, that's what we were going after to experience. People came to us. We didn't have to work very hard at it. They came to us and wanted to know how to be a part of what we were doing because they also had a hunger and a desire to flow in the river. So when we talk about these three streams, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Again, this is just Chuck sharing his heart a little bit, but we have these three streams. I remember hearing Doug would tell me this a lot. I remember having breakfast. Is it Tommy's, that place, the breakfast place? And we would talk about St. Michael's Seminary and different things. And I would hear the words is that we're not called to be 33 and a third percent charismatic, 33 and a third percent evangelical, 33 and a third percent sacramental liturgical. We were supposed to be 100% evangelical. We wanted the whole stream so we can experience the full river. 100% sacramental liturgical. And 100% charismatic. And there was not a word light in any of that. We weren't called to be evangelical light. We kind of believe in the Bible, but not really. We kind of believe in new birth, but kind of sort of not really. 
We're supposed to be 100% evangelical. We were 100% sacramental liturgical, like we believed in the real presence, like the real presence, like the bishop says, that if that bread, that wafer, could grow legs, it could walk around the room because it's Jesus. That's a mystery to me. I asked the Lord one day on one of our noon services, I said, can you say something new to me about Eucharist that I can sort of pass on? And he said, well, in the Eucharist I became small for you. So it'd be easy for you to taste and see, hold. Because it's me. It's, this is, your history's here. You were transformed. You were crucified with me. You were made a new creation in this. Because we were placed into him in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And so we're not supposed to be sacramental or liturgical light. We're supposed to be 100%. But we're also supposed to be 100% charismatic. Now, I know the scripture says, know well the condition of your flock, so we have to know how, to, that seems to be the scary one. We have to be careful because we want to steward it right and we don't want to promote wackadoodles. We don't want poop. But the problem is, that's your great commitment to not have poop, you're not going to have much power either. Sometimes it comes with the power. You don't promote poop. It's a lot of trouble to clean up poop occasionally. But if you're going to be 100% charismatic, however that looks like in your knowing well the condition of your flock, that's who we're supposed to be. I think sometimes what happens, all of us, all of us, um, have stories, have seen or even participated in uh, some manifestation of a gift that got wackadoodle. And here's what the enemy does. The enemy will do things like that so that he mars the authentic. So that people either come away celebrating the wackadoodle and become their own expression of wackadoodle or they'll run so far from the wackadoodle they don't do it at anything at all. And then the enemy's won. But whenever the enemy a disorient something or misrepresent some gift. What God wants us to do is realize it must be important to the enemy because he's frightened and he's trying to screw it up so we'll get screwed up about it. And our heart should be, I'm going to run after that one even more and get it right. There's a place in 3 John... This is verse 3. For I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth. That is how you are walking in the truth. But I love the way John said this, how this old man wrote this. He said, I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth. That you were walking in the truth. And for the CEC, what is our truth? What is our identity? We're called to be a church that flows in the river. And it takes all three streams 100% to do that. We were called to be a people who govern so uniquely. That was one of the hardest things for me to get, that 
people like Doug had to explain to me over and over again, but that we were called as men in Christ and living from Christ, not just for Christ, to collectively get the mind of Christ in a Christ-like way under the leadership of Christ-like patriarch. Because you see, our calling, our identity first and foremost is who we are as Christians in Christ, the CECs in Christ, therefore we're to move from Christ, by Christ, manifesting Christ-likeness as we collectively get the mind of Christ under Christ-like leadership. That matters. I remember when also I'd hear stories about some of the ecumenical councils, and I remember hearing about like Nicaea, I think that's the one where Athanasius actually had to flee for his life. And we would talk about that early on like, that's just what men do, man. That's not what Jesus does. The fruit of the Spirit says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't see anywhere in there it says anger, threats, murder, beaten up. It matters. Our calling is Christ-likeness. Whether we're meeting in a gathering in a group, whether we're walking down the street in our own walk, in our marriage, in our families, Christ-like men in a Christ-like way, collectively getting the mind of Christ under Christ-like patriarch's leadership. And the other little simple thing is this, and that is we've been studying Romans lately here. <laughs> My trust is that we'll finish Romans before I die. You say, well, Bishop, you might live to be 84. That's what I'm saying. I hope we'll trust and we'll finish Romans before I die. And I love this scripture. And it's not just talking about when we get tempted. It's talking about our walk, our life, and it says in verse 14 of chapter 6, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What does that mean? What is the law? Man's best effort to be godly. What's grace? God's best effort to be godly. Man's best effort for God. God's best effort for us. And so we're under grace. And grace operates in the atmosphere of faith. It's not that we don't do. When it talks about in Hebrews entering into his rest, that's not about inactivity. It's not passivity. Francis Schaeffer said it was resting in his activity. In the busiest times. There's a place in Ezekiel 44 where he talks about the priests and how the priests are supposed to approach him and says they're going to wear linen turbans and linen undergarments and linen outer garments and linen this and linen that. He says, and they're not to wear anything that would make them sweat. Again, it's not about not working hard. It's about sweating, striving, trying to make things happen in a striving spirit, which creates all kinds of conflict. Christ-like men in a Christ-like way, collectively getting the mind of Christ. 
manifesting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Men who are living the age to come kind of life in the here and now. In the blood and guts of working things out by him through us, the supernatural. And it's grace. It's grace. Romans 14, 23 says, that which is not of faith is sin. And faith operates in the context of grace. So here's just what I believe. There's work to do. There's getting the mind of Christ that needs to happen in a Christ-like way. I understand that. Work to do. But I believe there's a grace on the CEC. You know why? Because we're in Christ. I believe that we're under grace. And I believe the CEC is going to make it. I think the CEC is going to survive. I think it's as long as we participate in him, we walk in the spirit, he'll, <laughs> he'll be faithful. For even when we believe not, he abides faithful because he cannot deny himself. And I thought about these two scriptures and then I'll end. This is when One is from Exodus. This is about striking the rock. <clears throat> I I won't, I'll just tell you about Exodus, and we'll read the one from uh, Numbers. In the Exodus passage, the Lord spoke to Moses and said to him to strike the rock one time, and water would flow. But when you get in chapter 20 of Numbers, The Lord speaks, it's the same story, but there's just a little bit more to it. And the Lord says to him, in verse 8, he says, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock before their eyes. That they may yield its water, and you shall bring forth water for them out of the rock, which of course is Jesus. Let the congregation and and their beasts drink. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord, this expression of faith, the rod, just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock and said to them, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod. Water came forth abundantly, the congregation and their beasts drank. And the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given you. These were the waters of Meribah. It says in Psalm 81 where God tested them. What happened? I mean, Moses struck the rock. The water came out. It worked. And yet he says, you have not treated me holy in the sight of the people. You've not believed me. Because God didn't tell him to strike the rock twice. God said, strike the rock and speak to it. But why did Moses strike the rock twice? Because he didn't believe God. He was trying really hard to help God make it work. And God said, you didn't treat me like holy because I don't need your help. You are the body through which I will continue to live. I don't need you helping me more, striving and pushing 
No sweat. Again, it doesn't mean not hard work. Every one of you here have worked really hard. And, and I share this to you guys not because I know anything more. I probably know less than anybody in this room. And I'm comfortable with that. But this is just some things that I'm sharing because this is who you are. It's who we are. As you know, the promised land was Jesus. The type of the promised land in the Old Testament was Jesus. Our union with Christ. Christ himself living his life through us. Our inclusion in the life that he lives in, the favor he lives under. Therefore, because we're in Christ, the favor that Jesus lives under is on the CEC. If we'll be who we are, who Bishop Patriarch is calling us to rediscover, to, to celebrate, if we'll be who we are, we'll see the favor of God manifested because the favor of God's on us. The favor that's on Christ, we don't have to plead for it, beg for it. We just believe for it, manifest. So he talks about when they get into Canaan, and he says, <clears throat> There also you and your households shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in everything you put your hand to, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. I remember after, one, I wanted to say, again, how much it would have meant to Olivia to have been here to greet you. She loved the CEC. And she loved all you guys and your wives. Um, I didn't have a clue this time two years ago that Olivia wouldn't be here. When my brother died and we didn't think my brother was dying, Olivia died 17 days later. I found out that Olivia was gonna die the day before I did my brother's funeral. Jim was so sweet last night asking me about it, letting me know that he was praying for me. And it's been, God's been faithful. I miss her every day. That's going to happen, I think, as long as I live. Losing my dog Henry didn't help. <laughs> but I know that she loved the CC so much that she would want, she prayed for us that we would be a men, group of men, leaders, who would find joy in everything we put our hand to. I remember after she died, and I told the Lord because it was real, because it was hard, and I said, Lord, I just want to surround myself with people who are really happy. Because life on this side is too short. to be miserable. Um, God is a God of hope, it says in Romans. Not pessimism. Not fatalism. He's a God of hope. And he has great hope for us. He really believes 
then we're going to find our way, know our way, remember our way, be who God's called us to be. All those streams, finding that walking and flowing in that river, manifesting his likeness in a corporate way, bringing heaven to earth as a corporate people. Recently, and I'll finish with this, recently my administrative assistant um, prayed for someone who was eight months pregnant. And, uh, but she had not felt her baby move, even though the baby had grown for, she was eight and a half months pregnant, had not felt the baby move for eight months. So went to the doctors and they diagnosed her with encephalitis, anencephalitis. Encephalitis is swollen brain. Anencephalitis is when you have very little brain in a baby. And usually the back of the skull is gone. And then there's there's no survival rate, ever. And she said, how do you pray for that? And she remembered the reality that when Peter and John, they asked Peter and John about the person who got healed (laughs) in Acts chapter 3, and they said, it's not our piety. It's not by our power. It was Jesus who hid. It was the name of Jesus. And so there's no pressure on you when you realize that. No pressure on her being spiritual enough or anointed enough or prayed up enough or fasted enough. It was Christ. And she just laid hands on this lady and we discovered two weeks later she gave birth to a normal child. They felt the baby move in that moment. God in an instant grew a brain and filled in a skull and healed this child. But you see, that's just normal Christianity. That's why I get so excited about the CEC because, you see, I came in the CEC not to be less evangelical, to be a better one. I didn't come in the CEC to be less charismatic, to be a better one. Because I felt like liturgy and sacraments mattered. Government mattered. Having a patriarch mattered. Having bishops mattered. So that we could be more Christ-like. So... um, I bless you. Thank you for letting me share. Leave us praying for us. As you have others who are praying for us who are part of the church triumphant, but I know she's praying for us because she's not here physically, but she's here. And Livy used to say to me all the time, though, she never got healed. Never got healed, Bishop. Until she got healed. You see what I'm saying? By stripes, she was healed. And it manifested when she made the transition. But she used to tell me all the time, Chuck, we've seen the glory. Let's see the power, the unfiltered power. It's who we are. My son, Luke, back there when they were little, they'd come in the CC, they've done it all their life. Something was on television, I don't know what it was, and it was just a charismatic church, and they were just worshiping, having a great time. Luke walks by the TV and goes, Dad. I said, what? He said, there's a CC church. I said, I said, what? He said, they got to be a CC church, right? Because they, they're just so in love with Jesus and so passionate about it. That's the CC. That's who we are. Let's have fun doing it. Work hard in Christ, in a Christ-like way. Hear the mind of Christ under Christ-like leadership. Let's just see what God will do. Amen? Because the favor that's on him is on us because we're in him collectively. 
just like we are individually. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen.